Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field, like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner, and of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of their journey in software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsourced CTO. So we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur, and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service and software startups. Contact us at onestop.io. We can spec out your project today. Today, I have designer and creator Laura Elizabeth, founder of Client Portal and DesignAcademy.io. Laura is a designer first and entrepreneur second. Today, we're going to take a stroll down memory lane and talk about how she created Design Academy and how she creates beautiful designs in UI. How are you today, Laura? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, design. It's such an important part. Um, We do a lot of talks with founders about development and finding technical, but not so much about design. So uh, very important topics. So why don't you just give us a quick um, breakdown on your background, who you are, and what problem you're solving for your customers. And I understand you have a few products, so we can talk about each one of them as we go through the show. Yeah, sure. So um, I, as you already said, I'm a designer uh, by trade. I studied design at university and then went on the traditional route, worked in an agency. Um, I ended up branching out freelancing about a year into working for an agency. I just liked working from home and just being able to be my own boss and that kind of thing. And I did that for, gosh, I mean, you know, it must have been about eight years or something. Mm. And Throughout that time, I always wanted to get into products. What I didn't like so much about freelancing was the, you know, trading time for money thing. I didn't really like, you know, pitching and going out for projects, and I didn't really enjoy that whole process all that much. I wanted to do what I was doing for other clients for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought I would create a course on teaching design because I really struggled to learn design, even though I studied it throughout college and university. Mm -hmm. I found it hard and I felt like everyone around me was so much better than me and just they knew something that I didn't. And it was really frustrating because all my teachers would, you know, they would, we talk a lot about ideas, which I really loved, but they wouldn't tell me how to make these great ideas look half decent and everything I did just looked half baked and unprofessional and I wanted to know how to just make something look good without these pretentious terms that were going around. And I worked with a lot of developers when I was freelancing and they had the same problems. You know, they'd say, I have these great ideas. I have this product that I want to make. I just can't make it look good. And I don't know why. 
and they have a fantastic eye for design. They, they actually really, most developers I meet uh, really like design, they appreciate design and they want to be good at it. So I thought I'd make a course about how, you know, the really simple things you can do to make a design look decent, not award-winning, but just look really nice and professional and, you know, so it, it converts as well. So um, I started like working on that and that took many, many years. But in the meantime, I was still working with my clients and I wanted a bit of a project management tool, but I tried popular ones like Basecamp and my clients didn't use them because they were too complicated, um, too much of a learning curve. And I realized I had a lot of different SaaS software that I used with my clients for proposals and all this kind of stuff. And I wanted like a house to keep them all in. So my clients didn't keep emailing me saying, hey, where's that link to this proposal again? So I made this really simple portal for them and they really loved it. It was just a fantastic way to keep all their documents, all their deliverables together, see where they're at in the process, help them stop emailing me so much. And I was speaking at a conference about it and I mentioned it to other freelancers. And at the end of the conference, people were coming up to me saying, wow, where can I buy this software? This looks amazing. And I realized that I actually had a product in my back pocket all this time. So yeah. I was focusing on the course, but I had a product. And so I actually just decided to launch that and it ended up being really popular and very quickly became my full-time thing. So I still did the design course because I really love design. That's really my passion. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting because I have these two different products and I love doing them both. And yeah, that's basically where it all, all came from. So the client portals, a WordPress um, plugin, is that right? Yep, exactly. It started as just a static HTML template, which is what I used, uh -huh. um, but decided to make it into WordPress when I sold it because most people that I spoke to seemed to use it and it made the most sense. Okay. So what sort of time period are we talking about when you freelancing and you, you created it for your clients and yep. then was it after the sort of presentation that the developers were coming to you saying, I really want that? Exactly. Yep. And it wasn't just about, it was mostly freelancers and agencies. And so I created it, I think maybe, I want to say three years ago, I launched okay. it actually on Black Friday about three years ago, but I used it with my clients before then. Um, and, you know, I had a couple of clients who were SaaS companies and they even said to me, you know, this would make a really great SaaS. Really? Um, okay. And then when I did the conference, then it just, you know, more people were saying you should really launch this. And it took me way too long to actually believe them. Um, but when I did, I, you know, they were right. It was really popular. And how is the MVP going, uh, creating the MVP to get something ready to launch? How was that for you? How was that process? I mean, you had to go out and find a developer or did you already have one? Um, no, I had to find one. So what I did was I, so I spoke to the conference organizer uh, because at the end of this conference, you know, he went around the room and said, what was the most valuable thing you got from this conference? And more than 50% of people said Laura's client portal idea. So we talked about it and we said, hey, it looks like my audience really likes this idea. If you consider making it a product, I'll promote it to them if you want. Um, so I had like a window of, I think it was like four days where he said, I'll promote it on Monday if you make this into a product. So I obviously didn't have time to hire a developer in four days. So what I did was I packaged up the HTML template. Yeah. I put together some tutorials. I put together a bunch of copy on what it is, who it's for, what it isn't. 
um, and all that stuff. And I said, this is basically what you're getting is a pre-order. You can use the template now if you know a bit of HTML, but you can sort of see what's going on. And this pre-order, I'm going to use that money to go and hire a developer to make it into a WordPress plugin. So I get them a really big discount and it got promoted and it, yeah, it went well enough for me to hire find and hire a developer in which I got very lucky with the developer that I found. I, I love this story. It sounds like the leanest, one of the leanest MVPs I've really almost heard of, you know, some HTML templates and a couple of tutorials and, and you what, put it, sold it as a zip file Is yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's great. And, yeah. and how did, how, what were you selling it for? Do you remember what you sold it for um, at that time? I think it was about, I want to say $99, maybe a bit less, maybe $79. i am not really sure. Less than right. $100. Okay. So something that you would sell and it was sort of a one-time sale and they would get access and then were you selling sort of updates for it afterwards or was it just is yeah, so the support or anything like that? Yeah. So the pre-order people got access for life. They got all the updates um, and everything forever for that one price. After about a year or so, I was finding, because I'm not a developer myself and there was a lot of things that needed doing, especially, and I didn't realize this when I first decided to make it on WordPress, but especially when you're making something for WordPress, there's going to be a lot of plugin conflicts and theme conflicts and yeah. all these different things because everyone has a unique setup. And you don't know what which plugins aren't going to play nice with yours. So there was a decent amount of um, support that we had to do. And I couldn't do any of it because I wasn't a developer. So, you know, I had to pay a developer to do it. And then, you know, I wanted to make updates and make the product, you know, the best it could be, which also was costing money. And so I really felt like I needed some kind of recurring model. I didn't think monthly was the right option because I have a, you know, but I think a lot of people have a bit of an aversion to monthly costs because they're everywhere now. It's so hard to buy something where you don't have to commit monthly for indefinitely um, to use some software. You don't feel like you own anything anymore. So it was important to me that they would always own the plugin. Um, okay. So I decided to create a yearly update and support fee, which is optional. It's half the price of the plugin. And if they go ahead with it. They'll continue to get support when they write in. They'll continue to get all the updates that we do to the product. So that was something I created, I think about a year or so after I launched and has been a really big help in, you know, I basically take that money and reinvest it into the product, which is just really good to be able to do. Okay. So um, have you ever considered taking it like sort of outside of WordPress and, and offering it as a standalone portal that I mean have your customers been at because it sounds like it's very popular I mean if if you prefer it to base camp I mean that's saying a lot yeah it um I wrestle with this question weekly probably <laughs> so well the thing is I go so back and forth with it I think there would be a need and I think you know it's not client portal isn't comparable to base camp it's it's so different it I don't really want to call it a project management tool because it is just it's more of a portal it's something lightweight that doesn't interfere with your process, lets you use the tools that you already use, but just gives you a really nice branded home to house it all. Um, so it's not really like Basecamp. And, but the thing about the monthly hosted version, I think it could do well, but I, I know people who run SaaS and there's just a lot of there's a lot of difficulties with it. You know, you have to worry, what if my servers go down or something in the middle of the night? 
and mm. everyone can't access their portals. I mean, that's just my worst nightmare. And, you know, churn rate, I, you know, how will I offer enough to keep people paying month after month, especially when every bit of software is monthly now? And, yeah. you know, when you ask people, you know, would you pay for this? They'll kind of say yes, but you don't really know whether they really will until you've built it. So I feel like I have to take this risk in yeah. getting something developed, getting it coded, and then finding out. And I'm just not sure if I want to take that risk because um, Client Portal does well, and I really enjoy working on it. And my main worry, if I moved it to like a, a hosted version, maybe I wouldn't enjoy it as much. So yeah. if something's working and I like it, yeah, that's why true. not keep it the same? And you've got your other projects going, eh? So it sounds like you've got enough going on. So let's move on then to Design Academy. That was sort of your a passion project for you. And was that also, did that also come from developers coming up to you saying, listen, I would love to get help with design. Is that where that came from? Yeah, exactly. So I um, worked mostly with developers when I was freelancing, or at least people who had a background in development. And, you know, it was great. I, I loved working with them, but a lot of them didn't, really have the budget to work with me because they maybe were working full-time in-house and then they had this side project that they wanted to launch and see if it would work. So they didn't have a ton of expendable income to spend on a design project. And so I really made it with those people in mind. So the kind of people who want to get into products and there's so many people who want to get into products. Developers. Yeah. 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 Developers. Well, I, I yeah. That. Yeah. Developers that are sort of, they know how to code and they're so, but they're sort of one man shop and they're like, well, I'll just build this. It seems like, you know, maybe I heard someone that wanted it. So that it's essentially for that, those developers that are standalone um, guys that have a product, but just can't design. That's what you're saying. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And how big do you think that market is? Do you have, any, have you gotten a, a feeling on that? Um, only anecdotal, to be honest. I think it's pretty big just from the people I talk to. I still go to a lot of conferences, not right now, obviously, but yeah. um, I still go to a lot of conferences. I meet a lot of people and I speak to them, you know, and most of the conferences I go to are more developer focused, like MicroConf is my probably the one I try to go to every single year. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like everyone I speak to, this is kind of their dream. They want to have a passive income and um you know it's yeah i don't know numbers exactly but yeah i think it's pretty it's big. big it's big and so how quickly are they able to learn um the design and walk me through like what the, the academy does and the benefits they get out of it so it's a six-week process and what i really teach you is just that it's the process um so with design you know like when you're learning anything there's no quick wins to mastering something, but I'm not teaching them how to master it. I'm teaching them how to come up with a process that's going to get them from a blank screen, not knowing what to do, to a finished, I focus more on marketing websites, to be honest, to a finished website that looks good, um, but also works really well. So I do my first module, I spend a decent amount of time on convincing them to write their copy first and to really put a lot of time and effort into their copy because a great design without great copywriting is just, it's pointless. There's no point in doing it. 
And I show them how they can take the copy, how they can take what they can already do, which is identify websites and things that they like, and how you can sort of merge those together and come up with a, you know, version one layout for a design that you can do. And so once we've got that, so the goal is to get from nothing to an, a layout as quickly as possible and as painlessly as possible. And once we've done that, I sort of use this theory of debugging design to do the rest of it. So you then need to look at it. And we go through all the modules like color and typography and everything that you need to know. Yeah. But really what I want them to do is I want them to be able to look at their design and say, okay, what don't I like about this? And it doesn't matter if they can't figure out why just yet because that's what I'm going to help them with. Mm -hmm. But they just need to identify what they don't like about this and what they do like about something else. And then we go through, you know, how to actually achieve these things and all that kind of stuff. But I really want to show them what they can do, even when they don't have this course in front of them, what they can do every time they're designing and just the thinking that goes behind it and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's basically how the course works at the moment. So is there any design um, tips that you can give maybe some of our listeners when it comes to sort of coming up with design? So it sounds like the blueprint that you would follow as you come up with your copy. Do you have any guidelines on, on the length of copy that you should have for a sales page? Do you say like 2,000 words? Or is there nothing like it's, it's not like that you like less copy or what's from a design perspective? Is there any sort of guidelines that your developers could follow? Yeah, so I find it's easier to design less copy, but I think in my experience, more copy works better. And that's not in all cases. I've seen, I look at a ton of case studies and I've seen case studies where they've cut their copy to next to nothing and their conversion rates have gone up. So, you know, as with everything, you know, you need to test it yourself yeah. and, you know, there's no general rule or everyone would be doing the same thing. But generally I find you need to be able to explain something and if someone's interested, they will read your copy. And so what I teach is I say, you know, just reference um, Amy Hoy. Uh, she has a lot of blog articles on copywriting um, okay. and Joanna Weeb as well. Um, they're two great people to uh, learn about copywriting with. But I say, you know, use this rough structure. And I don't know who coined this. I got it from Amy Hoy, but it might be someone else, which is the pain dream fix formula, okay. which is what's the pain, um, which could be, a really easy example would be it's raining and I'm wet. Yeah. Uh, what's the dream? I'm dry. What's the yeah. fix? An umbrella. So the fix okay. is what you're selling. Okay. So try that. Um, do things like, you know, overcoming objections, which might be a frequently asked questions, um, have social proof, testimonials, you know, all this kind of thing. And just write a landing page in Google Docs. And what I tell people is if your landing page works in Google Docs, you're doing something very right. Yeah. So what you should do is you should also format that copy. It shouldn't just be a wall of text. Oh, so you should um, have like, you know, like have um, bullet points and things like that, you mean? Okay. That's yeah, bullet points, headings. Headings you know. and subtitles yeah. and things like that. Yeah, pretend that this is a sales letter that you're going to email out to people. And this is all they've got to go on, whether they want to buy your product or not. Okay. Um, and you can email it out to people if you want. There's a fantastic case study um, I think it's Grow and Convert, uh, where they were toying with doing what the software does as a service. And they created this Google Doc in like 20, 30 minutes. And I think they made like $9,000 or something mm -hmm. within a day just yeah. from people signing up from the Google Doc. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I've got a, there's an article on my website about it where I go through the thing, um, the case study, but I think it's on Ramit Sethi's website, the full case study. Yeah, he's a good copywriter for sure. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's basically what I recommend. Write the, just, you know, spend a lot of time writing and formatting the copy. Pretend that that's all you've got to go on and it should work there and then. And that's when we then move into, okay, let's get this into a design. Okay, so we've got some really good copy. It's formatted. Um, walk me through uh, how you would design that. So would you take sort of small chunks, like say two or three paragraphs, and try and put a design element to that? Or how would you break that up? Yeah, so how it works is I tell people to look for inspiration. And, you know, there's a ton of insp- – there's probably websites that people Which like. Which are some of your favorite ones? Um, websites or inspiration sources? Yeah, inspiration for designing. Um, I look at land books. It's land hyphen books, or it might be just book.com. Okay. Has a bunch of landing page inspiration. But what I think is more important actually is as you come across websites that you like, do try to save them somewhere. Don't just assume that you'll remember it because you won't. What do you use to save? Do you use like Evernote clips or you just say, oh, I like this, and you kind of just grab it and put it in a note somewhere? I use Dropmark. Okay. Um, which you can save a whole web page or you can save just a screenshot of a web page. You know, say if you like a particular component, but you don't really like the rest of the site, you can just save a screenshot and do all that kind of stuff. Okay. Dropmark. Okay. That's a good tip. Because, um, you know, obviously we're, we're always designing web pages and, uh, you know, as you say, you use, oh, I like that, but you'll never remember how to get back to it. Yeah. And you'll kick yourself as well because it's so hard when you're faced with designing something, you don't want to be spending all your time just looking at other websites and getting overwhelmed. It's really good to have somewhere that you can go where you save things that you generally think works well for whatever reason it is. Maybe you like the font, maybe you like this particular color and you can write notes about why you liked it if you need to remember. It's really good to have that. But I know, you know, if you're designing a website today and you don't have that, you can use something like land books to find inspiration. Okay, good. Okay, so we're going and designing through our um, copy here. And what do you say, what are the best sort of designs to get into nice styling and things like that? What do you generally think are the ones that are most eye-catching and um, things like that? I think, um, well, it depends. Eye-catching or good. They might not necessarily be the same thing. I would honestly recommend keeping it as simple as possible. So one thing that's important to remember is when you're saving websites that you like, try to also save things that you think you could maybe recreate. Um, So you might really like the Stripe website, for example, where it's got this really cool background. I mean, everyone probably knows it, but that might be quite difficult for you to recreate. You know, you might not have the abilities to actually go in and and make all these different shapes and figure out the colors um, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe that might not be the best example. Maybe a simpler website that's still just as nice, but it's something that you think is more along the lines of your ability level. So I try to tell people, go a little bit simpler than you think you might need to. You can always change it later. You know, no Mm -hmm. website's going to be the same forever, but make your life easy. Try and make, keep it simple. Maybe just have like a simple one column layout that can work really well, especially if you've got a lot of copy and, you know, you can, if you've got like a really nice accent color, if you've chosen a really nice font, 
if you've got some supporting imagery that you can dot around, um, that can look really nice. And it's minimal, it's good, it's easy to read. You can have calls to action that stand out, which is really yeah. important. Um, yeah. Because if, if your website is super eye-catching and great, it can make the you know things like a call to action even yeah. harder to stand out. How do you do that's that? Right. So minimal and simple it seems like it, and I think that's really the best designers really seem to to follow that as well. I think I personally, it's always you always can immediately see something that is minimal and clean and elegant, and you're like, wow, this is like it's almost calming, you know. Yeah, the longer I design, the more minimal my designs get. I'm sure that's so, so. I really like that. How about like drawing? Do you encourage drawing? Because sometimes, you know, I really not crazy about like stock photos and things like that. Drawing seems to be the way things are headed. But how do you do that um, and make that it looks so that it looks good and it's like sort of congruent with the you know that all the drawings sort of flow together and you have some guidelines with that. Yeah, so it's, this one's a little bit more tricky because it's so hard to just learn to draw. So you're probably, unless you can do it already, you're probably not going to be able to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of solutions. Um, the one is to find a really nice illustration set, um, UI8. I think it's dot, it might be .com, but it might be .net. I'm not really sure. UI8, if you just Google that. UI8. has a bunch okay. of illustrations and icons. And if you find just one really nice, versatile set, what you can do is you can take that into any kind of design software. Maybe it's Illustrator, maybe it's Sketch. I haven't tried Figma, but probably Figma. Okay. And you can change the colors and just tweak them to match your branding. Okay. And, you know, doing something like that is going to make these look like they're a part of your website. And I really encourage whenever you use icons or illustrations, try and get the vector versions and do change the colors. If you're using a particular gray and maybe the icon is black maybe just make it the same gray you're using. And it might sound like it's not going to make a big difference, but it will. It's just that bit of polish, that just extra step that no one's going to look at your website and say, oh, I really like how they've made the icon the same color as the text. Yeah. Um, they're not going to say that, no. but subliminally it will look more coherent. So yeah. doing stuff like that is, is really good. But in terms of proper illustrations, honestly, Try and hire someone. I definitely want to get into hiring designers because people are always needing designers. But like, where would you go to quickly um, get a designer? Do you sort of keep a, a Rolodex of designers that you can call on or what? Can you give us some helpful tips there? Yeah, so I can give you the place that I go to get illustrations, icons, even sometimes designs if I don't have time to do it myself. It's called ManyPixels. And it's okay. a monthly design service, but the quality is actually really good. So really? Design Pickle, okay. I think, is a popular one. Personally, I'm not, their style isn't quite what I would go for, um, but many pixels isn't as well known. And okay. I think it's like a few hundred a month and you get unlimited design stuff. Really? And okay. I get all my illustrations from there. Okay. I do all my icons completely custom now yeah. from there. And it's fantastic Ooh. quality. If you actually look on the Design Fundamentals website, oh, actually not right now because I haven't put it up yet. Okay. <laughs> in a few days if you look at that. Is that a new product or? Design Academy is the website. Design Fundamentals is the course. Oh, uh, okay. So there's going to be multiple courses in the future um, okay. under the Design Academy headline. But yeah, so I'm working with them to create illustration and icon sets because I can't draw either. Um, really? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. Really? Um, yeah, designers don't 
need to have I think you're just being draw. honest. No, I honestly can't. Really, yeah? Yeah. Okay, no, I can't. that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So then in terms of like hiring a designer, that you would just use this service and then put together the pages yourself? Or what if you're like, if you're in a situation where you're like a founder like myself, and it's like, I need a full-time designer. Could you supplement with the many pixels and then and then get like a decent designer who could um, put you sort of blend if he's rushed, you know, then he, he could put things together faster? Yeah. So basically with many pixels, the downside is because they are unlimited, they do unlimited stuff. They're not yeah. going to be able to spend a lot of time thinking through different design problems. So okay. you're going to have to write fantastic briefs that are very okay. clear Okay. that they're not really going to need to think about. And they can just, you know, get something out that looks really nice, but they're not going to be a consultant or anything like that. Right. So what I usually do with many pixels is I'll do the brief. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a designer, I find it a lot easier because I know what I would need. Yeah. Um, but that's just something that you'll figure out with time. Mm -hmm. And then they'll send me back something. And I almost always will tweak it, change it, you know, make it so it's something that I would be happy to, produce because it's never perfect what they give you for um first time and you can go back and ask them for amends but i personally find it easier and better for me to just do it myself so say for example you hired a designer um, you could have someone like many pixels and the designer could work directly with them for things like illustrations mm -hmm. that's honestly where i find the most useful is illustrations mm -hmm. and maybe your designer will then put them into your landing pages and stuff like that because it depends what kind of projects you need. If, if you just need little decorative things like that, many pixels is great. But if you need a designer and consultant, um, mm -hmm. someone to actually help with things like conversion rates, which is obviously really important, yeah. you'll need someone who understands that and someone who preferably has done it for themselves. So if you can find a designer who has maybe has like a side project or something or has worked on something in the past or has a background in SAS or whatever, um, mm. they will be the best because they're not going to just make something look pretty. They're going to make something that looks great and works because the prettiest designs aren't always the best designs. And sometimes you have to take a bit of a hit with the overall look to get something to work really well. If you were going to hire a designer because, you know, you obviously have your hands full, what sorts of things do you look for? What, and, you know, so you can help us, like, what, what makes a good designer? Aside from a portfolio, which is fairly obvious, what sorts of things do you think are mandatory uh, from your designer? The thing I would look at, actually, is their own website. Um, okay. That's really what I would care most about because the thing about their own website is that they probably won't, they might, but they probably won't have hired a copywriter. They probably won't have hired anyone to figure out, you know, is this the best way to describe what I do? Is this the best, you know, is this leading people through to contact me, to set up a project with me? You know, how are they doing it for themselves? That's really what I care the most about. I care more about that than a portfolio because I don't know how much the client has done with that particular portfolio versus what the designer has done. So okay. I want to see how the designer works on a project. Can they make something look really good and work really well? Does their website make me want to hire them? If so, they probably know a little bit about copywriting. They can probably design something for me and give me a tip that says, you know, oh, I know you've got this in the brief, but I don't think you should have this here because X, Y, Z. So that's really what I would look at, their website. And so many designers don't have 
that great portfolio websites and it is hard to find and a lot of designers care more about a fantastic looking portfolio piece than your business goals um and so it is it's difficult and i don't really have an answer for you other than yeah look for that look at their portfolio and preferably find someone who has some kind of background doing more than making things just designing yeah um as you say being able to to match copy with designs and things like that which is so important do you like to hire in a certain place for example do you go to eastern europe or do you like to stay in the uk or um i didn't have a preference so my developer um lives in taiwan um and she is the best yeah i if I ever lose her, I will be, that will be a sad day for me because she's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, um, and I kind of got that impression when I hired her. Um, you know, I spoke to a lot of different people from a lot of different places and I didn't find one particular place was better than another, but it was more about how they spoke to me. So this is for the developer for Client Portal. So we sort of jump in a little bit. But when I said that I need a developer for Client Portal, a lot of people were telling me, oh, I can do it for X. And this was way before we should even have been talking about the cost. Yeah. Um, but she came to me and she already knew what Client Portal was. She'd, I guess she'd seen it before or something um, or seen the email that went out about it. And she came to me with a few different ideas already. And she was like, I think this could be really great. I think, you know, you might want to consider X, Y, Z and all this kind of thing. And I, I just, my gut feeling was, okay, this person is going to be more than, just a developer. <laughs> she's gonna. Yeah. She's gonna actually help me, and she's been like a fantastic. Co-founder, sort of. I know, yeah, and I would. I you know. I think I tried to get her to be a co-founder at one point, but I, she's just great because I can ask her a question, whether it's like a business question or a technical question, and she already consider the answer, and not just from a development standpoint, from a customer standpoint. So she reads the support tickets, and she gets a feel for what they're doing. Um, and she's just a really good um, advisor as well. And that's why I'm really bullish on when, it, when you're hiring someone, try not to just hire for the skill, try to get someone with a little bit. sort of full package, I guess. Yeah. And when you find that person, like keep hold because yeah. they're rare. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's, that's definitely goes without saying. How about um, user experience? Do you, do you um, go into that as well? Do you feel like that's one of your fortes? Um, I don't do as much on user experience at the minute. I think there are just better people out there for that. I think Nick DeCerbato, I might be butchering the name, is really good. And I've got all his books on it. And I read a lot about it. Yeah. Um, the thing with user experience is I don't have, I like doing things where I've got a bunch of real experience in. And where yeah. I have experience is more on the marketing side. So uh-huh. marketing websites and that kind of thing. And, and more, I guess, the sales side i think i can make user-friendly apps and things like and software but i I don't really feel like i'm the best person to teach that at this stage but what i might do is i might because i know it's important i might bring in an expert to teach something on that that's a good idea yeah when i say user experience are you including user interface as well or do you feel user experience is, is separate than that ui um i kind of see it as separate i think but they're also quite interchangeable and I don't mind if people have different ways of viewing it. I think I view it as separate. I think the interface is more the kind of the styling of different components and, and that kind of thing. And then the experience is when all that 
stuff gets put together and when you're actually using it and clicking around and you know more of the the journey throughout the piece of software yeah i would definitely agree with you i think ui is something that is more general like a designer could do that um and make it look good but the user experience is a sort of as you say is the whole package thinking through like understanding that your customers problems and the flow of the software like well, why are we putting this here you know if later we're going to make making them look here and user experience i think is an art and in itself so but that's interesting i think it sounds like a really good um combination for you to add another expert in user experience because designers are one thing and user experience is as you say is that sort of is another skill set that requires deeper sort of thoughtfulness you know and to, and understanding it's like a designer will be like okay they'll follow the brief the user experience guy will actually think through the problems and it's so important to find a, a good person that um can do that you know yeah because the worst is when you know say you design something and it looks great but you haven't considered all the different use cases of this yeah. particular component and it's great to have someone i find developers are really good at that actually um so if you don't have a dedicated user experience person I find when I'm working with developers, you know, I'll design something and I'll try and think of every use case, but yeah. I will probably miss something. And the developer I'm working with will say, you know, something like, oh, what if blah happens? And it's, it yeah. might be, you know, more of a abstract use case, but, you know, it might happen and maybe we should design something around that just in case it does happen. And I think developers, at least the ones I know, are just really good at just, I don't know, they've got something in their head that they're really good at just being able to quickly think through all these different things and all these different yeah. outcomes that might happen. And so I think designers and developers can make really good teams. Right. Or maybe you want a user experience that has a background in development. Uh, that yeah. That could be a good idea for something to look for. Um, yeah. Okay. So what? any other projects that you're working on? So I have a small one called Project Pack. It sort of goes hand in hand with client portal mm -hmm. it's just all the documents templates plugin? no it's documents and templates and all this kind of stuff that you can use throughout a project so I've got two that have been released one's a web design project so it'll have everything from you know wireframe documents to a creative brief and contract and all, all that kind of thing mm -hmm. and then I've got one on marketing consulting which is another thing that I do now and again um, and it has everything I use for that and road mapping and all this kind of stuff. And then I'm working on a branding edition as well now, which is if you have a branding project or the everything you need to just take it and do your own projects with your clients. So that's just another thing that I'm working on. That's just a smaller thing. So uh -huh. I have, um, yeah. What would you say is your main focus right now? What are you trying to grow the most? That's really hard. I think, hmm, yeah, it's between Client Portal and Design Academy, obviously. I think uh, I spend more day-to-day -day time on Client Portal, I'd say, yeah. but I spend more intense time on Design Academy because teaching is really hard, and yeah. I'm actually do redoing the course. You enjoy Sorry. You enjoy I do, yeah. Teaching. I've been doing um, a live version of the course for this last year where we go through and we do video calls um, mm -hmm. that complements the, the actual training. And that's been really fun. And it's just given me so many insights into what parts people really resonate with and which need a little bit of work. 
So what I'm doing at the minute is I'm actually going through and I'm going to re-record the whole course. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's going to stay the same because I think a lot of it's just really solid. I want it to be consistent, designer yeah. perfection. But I'm going to change a few bits. And that's been really helpful to have this insight. But it is so much harder and it's so much work. And people have told me, you know, you should just focus on client portal because it seems like it's really easy. You don't really have to do much and it, yeah. it makes good money. But I love the design stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Well, the design, I, I have to say, it sounds like it's quite promising. It's a, It sounds like a, a niche product that there's definitely demand. The market is big. Is there any other people that are coming out and doing the same thing? Uh, design stuff? Yeah, for developers. There's sort of de design for the developer angle. Yeah, there's actually a few. So we actually met up, I think, at MicroConf, um, Eric Kennedy. Okay. Um, I think he's his Learn UI Design. And, mm -hmm. um, oh, gosh, I'm going to – I can't remember the name of the other one. I'm going to kick myself for this because we all, we all kind of met up because we were in this Design for Developers camp and just talked about what we were doing and, you know, what worked well and what didn't. And I wish I could remember. Oh, um, and another one is um, – I'm going to butcher the last name, but Steve – I'm just going to say refactoring UI. Google that because I okay. can't Okay, refactoring. That. Okay, that's good. And you like MicroConf? Do you are you a keynote speaker there, or uh, how, what um, do you like about MicroConf? I like the people there. It's definitely my kind of people, which is I like talking to people who want to get into products, yeah. um, whether it's SaaS or whether it's something you know. So you just go as an attendee then? Yeah, I have considered. Um, I think I considered a few times proposing to speak there. Yeah. That's one of the ones I've spoken at a bunch of conferences. Um, yeah. One of the bigger ones was Smashing Conf, and that was great. But yeah. MicroConf, for some reason, I just, um, I don't know, I, I feel like I have to be really ready for it. I think because yeah. I go every year. Oh, and, I think you'll, you'll um, be fine, yeah. yeah. Do you know I Rob Walling? Do you yes. know him? Yeah, you yeah. do. Do you like going to the U.S. ones or the ones in Europe? I haven't been to the European ones. I've just been to the U.S. ones because I – um, they're usually in Vegas. They've changed it now, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. I would never really go to Vegas on my own. But having MicroConf there was a really good excuse to go, to go because yeah. that's the most insane place in the whole world. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I always have a really good time, despite it not really being something I thought I would like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's definitely a unique place. Yeah. yeah. So I hope they move it back there, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That's good. Um, okay, we're getting close to the end of our allotted time. I want to thank you so much for your time. How can people um, follow you or reach out to you? So if you want to look at the design stuff, you can go to designacademy.io. I have a free six-part email course there if you want to get your feet wet with that. Client portal is client-portal.io. And quick tip, don't put hyphens in URLs because they make yeah, it Yeah, why can't – you're going to have to fix that, uh, Laura. I know. I think you're going <laughs> to look for the domain, the, the better domain for that one. It's one of my biggest regrets is that hyphen. Yeah. And then you can follow me on Twitter as well. It's the only place I'm really active, okay. not awfully active, to be honest, which is at Laurium, L-A-U-R-I-U-M. Oh. Yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for your wisdom on designing. I'm definitely going to dive into some of your suggestions, including many pixels and some of the other ones you mentioned. So thank you so much. Awesome. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web 
Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner.